but it is, uh, it is it's an honor to be here and, and, uh, and to preach the word and to be part of your, your series of, of breakthrough here in the life of the church and be able to talk to you, I guess, a little bit about what we can do as Christians to keep this fire burning in our lives because you can have a God encounter and so often people have a God encounter and it's a great moment. And, and those moments, I'm definitely not pulling away from those moments, but people often don't realize that you can live with a God encounter as part of your life all the time. You know, you don't have to, the Holy Ghost is not reserved for one series of meetings. There can be something birthed in those meetings that can be sustained by a, by a vibrant relationship with God. And you know, tonight I want to share for just a few minutes. I won't preach too long tonight because I want to minister to people. And, and, but I want us to have an understanding in our spirit that we can be carriers of God's spirit and God's power. And God's anointing isn't just for a pastor or for Pastor Rick for a certain weekend or for a guest speaker. The same Holy Ghost that's in them is the same Holy Ghost that was on Jesus and is the same Holy Ghost that's in this place. And if you dare to believe, you can live carrying the power and the presence of God and see incredible things happen in your heart and life. If you believe it, say amen. And if you have a Bible, let's have a look at the book of Luke. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Luke. And uh, we're going to have a look at Luke chapter 5. And it says this. Let's have a look at the 17th verse. It says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Somebody say power. Say it like an Aussie, say power. power. So that's beautiful. That's a Queen's English right there. It says, and the power of the Lord was present. Somebody say present. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold men, probably four men, brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring him in and lay before him. And when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, somebody say their faith. He said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? And I love this verse. This, this gets you happy. This is kind of like your toes curl over and you just get a bit pumped. He says, but, now that, but, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins, I say to you, arise and take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God, and they were all amazed, the Bible says, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. I'm not going to preach long, but I want to talk about something. And I want to stay really in verse 17, where he says, the power of the Lord was present 
to heal them. What you've got to understand is this is the only time in the Gospels that we see this mention. This is an amazing statement when you consider what was happening in that room at that time. He says, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So in that room at that time, there was a Holy Spirit healing, breakthrough, life-changing anointing that was in the house at that moment. But nobody was getting healed. Nobody was getting touched. Nobody was being transformed. Lives weren't being changed because there was, there was something missing that was causing these people who were in that room to not be able to connect with the power of God that was flowing in that place. It's amazing that you can walk into church week in, week out, and, and there's, there, there, there's an anointing of God in the room, and it's almost like, you, you, you know, some people, they, they get connected. God's touching them. Something beautiful is happening, and lives are being changed. But then there's, there's times when people kind of miss out on what God wants to do. And I, I want to talk to us a little bit about that in just a few minutes, how we can be people who can lay a hold of what God's doing in an atmosphere and, and grab a hold of God ourselves. Sometimes we expect the preacher to get up or, or the song leader to get up or, or, or whoever's transitioning or running a service to try and bring God into the atmosphere. You've got to understand God's in the house and so much more of what God wants to do is dependent on the people in the room rather than the person on the platform. And, and you know, too often a lot of Christians can come in thinking it's got to be done for them. Do you realize it's on us to build an atmosphere of faith for God to do something supernatural in the hearts and the lives of people? And the Bible says the power of the Lord. Would somebody say power? I love this. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. It was present right there. And I, I, want, to just, I want to just link this with another passage for one minute. Have a look at the book of Psalms. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then we'll have a look at Psalms because I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I'm pumped about this, man. I feel excited. I feel like God wants to do it. Psalm 46. And if you've got it, say amen. Also, I can do it. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. Somebody say a very present help. Oh, let me read that and I'll get you to repeat it. It says a very present help in time of trouble. Somebody say present help. So God is our refuge. is our strength. A present help. So we've read here that there is. His power was present. And so then we see here that he is our present help in time of trouble. I want to just show you something here. This is cool. And it goes on to say, therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. Some people say that's not a big deal. That's a, that's a big deal. It's never good when the earth's removed. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. That's a big deal. It's never good when that happens. Though the waters roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with its swelling. And then... The writer of the psalm writes, Selah. And we just go, oh, Selah. He's saying, no, stop. Think about that. That's a bad situation. <laughs> but he tells us that God is present in the middle of that. But then he says this, verse 4, he says, there is a river. Somebody say, there is a river. I want to show you something. Whose streams make glad the city of God. What you've got to understand, the word river in there is exciting, but it's not as exciting as the word right before it. The word right before it, it's two letters, is. Somebody say, is. He says there is a river. So what God's showing us here, His power is present. The Bible tells us that God is present, and the Bible tells us that there is a river. Present tense. There is a. We have a present God who has present power for this day and this hour. Now I've got to show you something. There's six things you need to know about God that make God God. If He didn't possess these six things, He wouldn't be God. Number one, God is eternal. He's always been. He, he was never born. He didn't get born because if He was born, the person that had Him, that person would be God. So God's always been his God. He's been there from, I mean, you try to look for a start date. There is no start date. I mean, he's just always been. And as Christians, we're so good at going, oh yeah, I get that. I don't get that. 
I, I try, I'm like, I try so hard. But maybe it's just the water in Australia, we're not quite as bright. But I don't get that. I believe it, but I don't get it. Some people say, well, when did he start? When was his beginning? There was no beginning. He is beginning. The Bible says he's alpha. It means beginning. And he's the end. He doesn't have a start date. He is the start date. There's no end. He, as far as forever's going to be with God, it spans that way as well. Messes with my mind. So, so he's eternal. He's omnipotent. There's no, I, I, I mean, literally mean, he, there, there's no power greater than him. He, he's the greatest power in the world. If there was a greater power than God, that power itself would be God. The Bible tells us that he's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows how many hairs are on your head. In some people's case, how many hairs are in your ear? For some people, there's more in your ear than there is on your head. But, but the reality is, despite the situation you might have going on with the hair on your head, he knows all about it. And that he knows the thoughts of your heart. He knows what's going on on the inside. And he, he cares about it. You know, he actually cares about it. I've had a bad day. He cares about that. He cares about your situation. He cares about your family. He knows. He cares. And you know something? He's a God. If you call out to him, he'll make a difference and do something supernatural. Now, he's not just, he's not just all-knowing, all-powerful, but he's omniscient Anna, which means all-knowing. You know, I mean, I said that. He's, he's omnipresent. I'm getting confused with my own incredible theology. Where are we up to? He's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's here. He's over there. He's a Walmart. He's even a Cracker Barrel. He's having biscuits and gravy and turnip greens. And he's well pleased. He's everywhere. You know, another attribute of God is, I love this, he's self-existent. This is my favorite. In other words, he exists in and of himself. He doesn't need anything external to sustain him. If he needed something external, that would be God. He, he, is an, he exists in and of himself. He doesn't need water. He is living water. He doesn't need bread. He is daily bread. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't need air. He is, the, he is the breath of heaven. I mean, he's got it all in and of himself. People deny the existence of God all the time. Yet they're still breathing his air. They're still drinking his water. They're eating the, the fruit out of his ground. They're eating his cows and dingoes. And... Actually, I've never heard of anyone eating a dingo. I've heard of dingoes eating other people, but, but we won't go there. That's not, that's not pleasant. But the reality is, he exists in and of himself. He's awesome. But one of the other attributes of God is he is immutable. Somebody say immutable. It doesn't mean you can't shush him. It means he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. What does it say? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So when we read that the power of the Lord is present to heal somebody, and we read that God is our present help, and we know that there is a river, the Bible makes it very clear in so many other spaces as well that God is now, He is here, He has a plan now in St. Louis on a wet, cold Tuesday night. He's a God that can sustain and bring life and bring hope and bring power. Not there was a river. There is a river right now. A river is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now. Some people think the Holy Spirit isn't it. 
Holy Spirit's not an it. He's a person. And he wants to touch you. He's not just some bird that brings the gifts of the Spirit. He's not the... The Holy Ghost isn't tongues. He's a person. I mean, you'll speak in tongues when he touches you. I mean, he'll change your heart and he'll change your life. He'll fill you with his power. But he is an ever-present God with ever-present power. That word power, the original word, we get words like dynamic or dynamite out of those words. We, I mean, when, you, when you've got the power of God living on the inside of you, you have the dynamic of God. Some people go, man, those charismatics, those Pentecostals. A dynamic. Yes, we are, because we've got the dynamic of God living on the inside of us. I mean, imagine, how boring is Christianity without the Spirit of God? Man, I, I, I mean, I, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that if you have one touch of the power of God, God will change you. Just in our church two weeks ago, we had a Sunday morning service. We did an altar call for people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I mean, this guy had been telling me he didn't believe in it and didn't want it. He liked the church. I told him, the reason you like our church is because of the power of the Holy Ghost that's in the place. And he was like, all right. And he came down the front. He and his son came down together. They're kind of, we pray for them. The power of God touched them. God filled them with the Spirit. Can I tell you, been, there's been a bounce in their step they never had before. There's been joy on the inside of them they never had before. Well, it, being saved is the greatest experience you can ever have. But to be filled with the Spirit is the greatest experience a Christian can ever have. Getting saved is the most important thing. When you get filled with the Spirit, it doesn't add to your salvation. I mean, you're not more saved because you're speaking in tongues. You're either saved or you're not saved. But I'm telling you, when you speak in tongues, when you've got the power of the Holy Spirit working in your heart and in your life, you're saved, but then your salvation has a power on it that helps save other people. Speaking in tongues empowers you to do what God's called you to do. I'm a tongue-talking Pentecostal. Hubba dubba ding ding, look at the legs on that thing. But, the, but, but this, I love this story. The Bible tells us that the power of the Lord was present to heal him. The power, the dynamic of God. Yet he was in a room full of people and nobody's connecting with that power. What, what a tragedy it is that people can come to church and God's spirit and God's anointing is in the room and people miss out on what God wants to do in the room. And they leave. And I remember one time I was sitting in church and, and, and my friend was sitting next to me and, and uh, I was fairly, I, I, I think I declared myself the, the authority on all things anointing. So I was standing there thinking, man, I can't really sense the anointing this morning. Because, of course, I would know because I was a self-appointed anointing expert. I was the anointing police. And, and, and I turned around to look at my friend because I wanted to make a comment and say, you know, and he's got his hands uplifted before God, tears running down his face. There was not an anointing issue. There was a me issue. You know, people go to church all over America and they watch, the, they watch what the, what's happening. But do you realize if you can go beyond just being in the room where the anointing is to, to being a, a conductor of God's power, that can change everything in your heart and in your life. It's amazing that when you come to church and lift your hands and get a bit happy and just shout a little bit and just, and just you know, plug into the Spirit of God and get pumped. It's amazing how different your church experience can actually be. You know... It, this light right here, this thing here, it's plugged into a thing that's plugged into the wall. Now, if you plug that thing into the thing, 
that has a dial on it and make it go up and down. Follow me, this is very deep. You can plug that thing into the wall, nothing will happen. But if you go to that power board and you flick the switch, you place a demand on the power that's going to that box and you turn that light on. And you know, sometimes people come to church and they sort of just plug in, but they never, they never flick that switch called faith that says, I'm going to grab a hold of God. Because you know something, what, you, what happens here is you begin to place a demand on the anointing of God. Or if you're from America, a demand on the anointing of God. And, and, and suddenly God begins to... I'm getting pretty excited about this, you know, because I feel like if you get this, you might start coming to church and feeling the power of God like you've never felt it before. You might just come into the church. You might have sat there for years and maybe one Sunday, Pastor Josh will get up here and say, you know, today we're going to receive the offering. And you go, "Wow, Jesus. And then be very ashamed at yourself. You might end up going to McDonald's and getting very excited and say, I'll have a big Mac. Kurabatarabashanda. And if you're really old school, then you'll bust out and bestow upon me your biggest Mac and a pound a quarter thereof. You know, do you know, the, the reality is so much of what you experience in this room and you want to keep something happening in your life is not dependent on Pastor Rick. It's dependent on your faith. Coming in here and saying, I'm not just coming to church. I'm, coming, I'm going to have an encounter with God. I'm not just coming to this house. I'm going to shout the preacher down. I'm going to get, I'm going to bring, anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself because I've got some stuff I, 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 want, I, want, I want to tell you. But he, here's the thing that, that amazes me is in that room, there was the intelligentsia of the day. The smartest people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're called Sadducees because they were Sadducees. And the teachers of the law and the whole crew. That is a stupid joke. And, and it's not even funny, but it sort of is. They're sitting in the room. And the Bible says this. They said they were reasoning with each other. And really, that, that, what, what that means, they were coming to conclusions about his motives and about his integrity and about what he was trying to do. And the reality is they were just reasoning. And religion does that. And you can reason the Holy Spirit out of the equation in your life. Well, I don't know that I agree with that. One of the things that we've got to be so careful is that in our pursuit of knowing about God, it should always be parallel with a desire to also know God. You know, some people, they want to know all about the Holy Spirit, but they have no hunger for the Holy Spirit. And so then they just reason the Spirit of God out of their stuff, out of their life, and, and sometimes get too intelligent. That, that was so intelligent, there was a miracle that could have set them free, but they missed out. They'd rather just reason. You can dissect a frog. You'll learn a lot about a frog. Except you'll kill the poor frog. That's what people do with the things of the Spirit. They dissect them. They analyze this. Well, I don't know. Was that God? Do you know sometimes you just need to say, God, I want whatever you've got for me. I'm hungry. And sometimes we come into church and we look at what everyone else is doing rather than just getting our attention on Him. Because God's real and wants to touch your life. They reason with each other and, and they missed out. But then there were four boys who had a crippled friend. And they, they knew that he needed a miracle from God. And they busted into a house. They lowered him down and they brought him before the present, in that moment, power of God. And God, in a moment of time, Jesus, in a moment of time, did a miracle. Can I tell you, I believe in the present power of God in the church today. 
more than I ever have before. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the touch of God. And you know, son, I don't think being a Pentecostal or a charismatic means you have to be weird. I just believe it means you can know God's spirit with fire and something real and something powerful. And they lowered him down that roof and he, he, he got lowered right. See, they knew the power of proximity to Jesus. When you get close to him, things begin to happen. I see people say things in the Bible in, about Jesus. They say, not in the Bible, but about the Bible. They say, you'll never read in the Bible Jesus shouting or speaking in tongues or shouting under the anointing or going crazy in church and, and, and jumping and leaping and, and going crazy. Yes, do you know something? I've never read anything about Jesus doing that, but it seems like everyone that he touched did. And you know something? I'm telling you right now, when you get touched by God, you, you, you sometimes, for me, I've got a bit of a personality where everything's exciting. I want to be a bit of a crazy person. But I've seen conservative people walk into the presence of God and God touch them. And, and it's like the dynamic of God's spirit got a hold of them. And they just begin to come to life. And God just does something. Don't, don't let your personality make you timid. Go after getting that close proximity to Jesus and say, you know what, I'm not going to leave. I know I'm, I'm going real fast because I want to cover it real quick, so I'm just doubling my speed. Some of you are probably only getting one third of it. <laughs> Hopefully that's the good third. But you know something? When the power of God is present, there's two things that you see in this story that they did. Two simple things. I think they're, I think they're important things that we need to do. And, and it's simple. These four fellows, they did two things that got them connected with God. And the first thing that you read in the story is just one text. The Bible tells us that when Jesus, he, he said he saw their faith and then he got healed. Sometimes we often talk about it being about our faith for our circumstances, which it should be and, and is. But the reality is, I believe as the church, it's our responsibility to build an atmosphere of faith that is beyond ourselves. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say it like this. Firstly, I, I, I believe in the church, Pastor Rick. I'm, I'm a church person. I'm a church, local church guy. 115 times in the Bible, you'll find the word church or churches. 95 or 96 times it's talking about a local church. You'll, talk, you'll hear Christians say, you know, I'm not committed to one church. I just go to any church, wherever the Spirit leads. I just don't believe in that. I believe in getting planted in one church and, and building roots and, and making the thing happen and growing. And I believe in the church. I, believe, I, I think if your church is YouTube, TBN, God TV, or a podcast, you're in a bad church. Not because those things are bad. Those things are good. But they're not a church. If they become your church, they become a bad thing. Because, I mean, that, that, that person's not your pastor. I mean, there's no accountability in that. I believe in the church. I love the church. I grew up in the church. I'm the only kid in this room that for their sixth birthday was given an overhead projector. <laughs> Is there anyone else that was given an And so my dad gave me this stupid overhead projector and it ended up burning our house down. True story. <laughs> True story. I used to set this up, shine the words with the transparencies on the screen. He gave me, bought me one of these screens that had like three legs, tripod thing. I'd put the words up on the screen and I'd lead the singing to a whole row of teddy bears, you know, and, 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 and pray for them. They'd be out under the power of God. They all had communion stains, Anna, because I used to give them all communion. I actually just gave them, uh, we don't, I don't know what you call it here, but cough medicine, and, and, uh, which was good. 
communion was a source of healing for them. I remember one time I baptised Big Ted and his eye fell off. My mother sewed the eye back on and we testified to the healing power of God. True story. I mean, I grew up in church. I grew up, I grew up going to church if the doors were open. I was in church. I slept under pews. I mean, I, I love the house of God. There's no, I understand when David says, better is one day in your courts than thousands. That's I love the church. Jesus loves the church. I don't know how you can be a Christian and hate the church. That'd be like me saying, I love you, Pastor Rick, but Pastor Donna, I'm not sure about her. How many know I wouldn't be his friend if I said that about her? And she'd beat the life out of me if I said that. Don't underestimate the violent streak in Pastor Donna. It's there. God's helping her with that, I'm sure. I'm just teasing. But the reality is the church is awesome. When he saw their faith, there's no such thing as their faith when you're at home. But when you come in here, there's their faith, corporate faith, a corporate anointing. And you know something, when you come in here, as a believer, as a mature believer in Christ, I believe it's our job to be bringers of faith to an atmosphere. You know, they brought their friend. We need to bring something that places a demand on the anointing of God, whether that's faith in our giving or faith in our worship or believing. Paul and Silas are in jail, the Bible says. They're praising God. They're in stocks. They've got a big wooden beam on their back. They've been whipped and beaten. And the Bible says it was at midnight that they were praising God. They were getting pumped, worshiping God. And the Bible says suddenly there was an earthquake and their chains fell off. But so do the chains of every prisoner in that prison. Do you know something as Christians, as people who believe in God, do you realize your praise and your faith doesn't just have power to bring you to a place of victory, but it does to the person around and about you. I don't have the option of coming to church and being mad at God and not praising because there might be somebody in the room that's chained up and bound up and me praising God might be the very thing that sets them free. You say, I don't believe it. I believe it. Because I've seen it happen when you rejoice before God and you, and you begin to just say, God, I believe that you're able and you're supernatural and, and God, I worship you despite my circumstances. And you know, when praise is in a valley, that's when it's supernatural. It's easy to praise God when everything's going good. You know, everything's going perfect. Oh God, I glorify it. We should always be thankful. But when praise seems ridiculous, that's when it's supernatural. When you're praising God in prison after being whipped, that's supernatural. Things happen. There's a faith. Anyway, I've got to keep moving because the two of you taking notes seem to be getting very tired. The Bible tells us they didn't just, they didn't just bring their faith. But the Bible says that they, they broke through the tiling of that roof. You might go, oh yeah, they just broke through the roof. Firstly, they weren't invited. They weren't the high people of society, even they didn't get an invite to this Jesus crusade. They didn't get told about it. They heard about it, but they weren't invited. So they thought, you know, some, I've got a friend. He has a need. I'm going. So they got up on the roof, and they dug a hole in the roof. And some people think it was this beautiful hole with this pulley system, and they <laughs> laid him down. It was just been a little hole, because the way those buildings were built were like, with, with, with like bits of wood and held together with dove's dung. And, 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 and it's a great picture that the religious crew were there trying to reason with Jesus and suddenly dung just starts falling from, from above. I think that's funny, but maybe you don't because you're more spiritual than me. But, but, here, but here's the reality. The reality of the matter is they drop this guy down 
And, and, and I don't think they would have had a police system to, because to be honest with you, even if they had dropped him, his situation wouldn't have got any worse. And so it's true. I don't know if that's politically correct, Pastor Josh. I, I, ta- I take that back. So they... <laughs> wow. So, they, so they, dropped, they dropped him through a little hole in the roof. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, what did he see? He saw a hole in the roof with four heads looking down going, Awesome! This is fantastic. And you know something? There was the smartest people, the money people were in the room. But you know something? Jesus, his power was there, but it didn't start being released until four people were looking down and going, this is awesome. We got him. We dug 17 holes, but finally got him near Jesus. And you know something? Jesus says, just so you know that I'm the son of man and I have power. He says, in the name of Jesus. Hey, boy, he didn't say in the name of Jesus. He didn't need to. He was Jesus. And he, he, just, he just went, there it is. And you know something? There he is. A guy gets healed by the grace of God. That, that's how you make church more exciting. You just bring this thing called faith. Some people come in. Why have we got him on tonight? I wanted to hear Pastor Rick. Well, they sing a song you don't like. You know, we've got new Christians in our church. And these songs, I sit there and think, I really don't like this song. And you watch them, oh, it's the best song I've ever heard in my life. I want to be more like that. I want to be the one that's pumped and just loving Jesus and, and I'm not overthinking and not reasoning, just loving God and saying, God, I'm coming into your house with Faith. Anyway, that's, that's pretty simple. We had a Sunday night service a little while ago, and we had a lady in our church, and she was a prostitute. She was about 26 at the time, and, and she'd been a prostitute, got saved, and got delivered. But as a result of the, uh, the diseases that she had contracted in that line of work, she developed cervical cancer. She comes into the Sunday night service, and and I don't like to tell the story like I prayed for her. I mean, we prayed. The whole church was stretching their hands out, believing God, and God touched her. The next morning was a Monday morning, so she had to go and, and have surgery to have this cancer removed. And I don't know the full details of how it's done, but she goes into surgery and comes out, and there's no pain. And the doctors are saying, man, we need to, ha- we need to have a talk. And they said, we've got a problem. And she said, what is it? And they said to her, we can't locate your cancer. And so she sort of smiled and they literally said, we've lost your cancer. (laughs) And do you want to know something that's awesome? They said, come back next week. So they did tests on her all week, ultrasounds, x-rays, the whole thing. When she went for surgery the following Monday, they said, look, we can't explain this. But there is no trace of cancer left in your body. Why? Because in an atmosphere of faith, his power can touch and transform. All we need to do is be people who dare to believe. Don't just go, oh, this is just my church. The same Holy Ghost that was in that garden tomb. It's the same Holy Spirit that's in this house. If you come in faith, I promise you, you'll never leave church empty-handed. Ever. And God, God touched you. I mean, it's, he's a super... I sat on an airplane, Pastor Rick. I don't know if I've ever told you this. And I was sitting next to a, a, a surgeon from Dallas. He was an Australian, but he was living in Dallas. And he said to me, he asked what, what I did, and I said that I'm a preacher. He said, what kind? I said, well, I'm in an Assembly of God church. And he said, is that Pentecostal? I said, moderately. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I used to be a Christian, he said. He said, but when I was in medical school, I, did my, I had to perform my first abortion. And as a direct result, I walked away from God, and now I'm an atheist. 
And then he went quiet and he said to me, so I'll never forget it as long as I live. He said, the thing that I can't explain about you Pentecostals, he said, whenever we've had an abnormality medically where someone was terminal yet they made a full recovery or someone had a major heart attack and they woke up and we didn't expect it or he said, this happens. He said, probably about 30 or 40 times. There's just these medical abnormalities, we call them. He said, I can't explain this and it's just one of those coincidences. He says, but every single time it's been your Pentecostal people who believe God and pray. And, and I said to him, I said, do you, I said to him, honestly, I said, do you really believe that's a coincidence? He said, absolutely. And it blew my mind. I mean, it's not a coincidence to me. Because if you have faith and dare to believe God, nothing's impossible. But you know, it's not just healing. It's any area of your life. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're dried. You know, if you, if you come to an altar call and rather than sort of go, you know, if the Holy Spirit can be bothered doing something, well, I guess it'll be nice. Because the odds are you'll probably leave the altar the way you came. But if you do a, pull a woman with the issue of blood kind of tactic where you say, I'm coming, I'm going to, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, I know that power is going to get, let me tell you, it's present power and it's right now, it's in the house. Right now, we serve a supernatural God. We serve a God who's able. I was brought up in a charismatic house where my parents, I mean, they didn't often have two bob to rub, that's two dollars to rub together. They, they didn't have a huge amount, but they always had faith. You know, my parents taught me to pray. They taught me if there was sick, man, if I was sick on a school day, I never told my parents I was sick because they wouldn't say, okay, just have the day off. They'd walk in, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And it'd get, they'd bring it bucket full of oil enough to drown a koala bear pour it on in the name of jesus come out of him you foul thing set free from the spirit of infirmity i'd hit the floor pick him up in jesus name touch him i'd go to school pastor rick black eye thick lip blood nose but not one flu symptom totally free true story you know whatever you face Big or small, God by His Spirit. Maybe if you can come, Sean, that'd be awesome. Play something anointed because we need, we need piano for the anointing to flow. It's a true story, true story. It says it in the Bible. In the book of Hezekiah, chapter number six. But you know, in a, in a room like this, there's all sorts of stuff that you face, that you deal with. Maybe, maybe it's financial pressure. Maybe it's, pain. Maybe, maybe you just feeling in your spirit walk, in your walk with God. You just need a fresh anointing of God's spirit and God's power. You need God to do something now. You know something, the Bible tells us that they had faith. It's no coincidence the Bible says, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. He's a present God and I believe we need to have faith right now in a God. of He's a right now God and He wants us to have right now faith and believe God and place a demand on the anointing and say tonight Holy Spirit I want you to touch me. Maybe, maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never had a heavenly, heavenly language. You've never prayed in tongues. Maybe you've got sickness in your body. Maybe you've got a broken heart. Maybe, maybe you're fine. Everything's fine and dandy. But you just say, you know something? I'm hungry and I want the fire of God's Spirit to touch my heart. If you'd say, Dave, I'm hungry. I want God, the Holy Spirit, to touch my heart and touch my life. I want something from heaven in this room. If that's you, I just want you to stand where you are all across this house and just begin to lift your hands to heaven.